Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Good morning, aloha. Welcome to Island Conversations. Remember that Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken airs each Sunday on KWXX and on B93B97, and then is rebroadcast the following Friday on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo. But of course, you may download the podcast and listen anytime or subscribe at kwxx.com. Today, we're continuing our conversation with Hawaii County Prosecutor Mitch Roth, essentially picking up where we left off last week when he was starting to talk about some serious complaints that both Prosecutor Roth and local citizens have had about a department inside the Department of Land and Natural Resources. We'll join our conversation and repeat a teeny bit of what we aired last week. And note that I have asked DLNR for comment, and I'll explain where we are with that later on. Let's get to our conversation with Hawaii County Prosecutor Mitch Roth. Mitch Roth, there have been some big issues on this island with how the state works here on our island, some of the state agencies. And the one that gets the most attention is Department of Land and Natural Resources, I would say. And you are laughing because you know they've been at odds with the community over several of their attempted initiatives, including especially, I'd say, oversight on public waters. And this goes back to when they wanted to put many, many additional moorings at Keahoe Bay and were stopped from doing so because it was clearly ill-advised. A local fisherman who has a mooring at Keahoe Bay reported, claimed, and has documentation that Department of Land and Natural Resources actually falsified his documentation, mm-hmm. believing, and he believed it was in their attempt to not grant him his rightful place in line to get a mooring. And I know that you have been actively involved in this kind of thing with Department of Land and Natural Resources, and I'm wondering if you can help us understand what the situation is, where things stand. So with that particular complaint, it came to our office. We, there was uh, not enough at initial site to prosecute, and so we sent him a declination letter declining the case. He called up and he asked to speak to me. And uh, he started telling me that there was people in the Department of Dobor under Department of Land and Natural Resources. That and that's, were, that's Department of Boating and Ocean Recreation, right? right? Okay. So he told me that there were people who were retaliating against him. And so I started looking into it. And I was quite frankly appalled to find out that I couldn't get anybody to say anything positive about them. And uh, so I made a complaint. And then the next thing happened is... They audited him, and I felt, wow, that's kind of interesting. It's kind of like a retaliation. And when you say they audited him, meaning Dobor. Dobor. Audited this fisherman. Did an audit, and then they found uh, some things that they felt at the time uh, that he was violating um, one of their permits, and so they took his permit away. And so I actually flew up to Honolulu to testify on my own dime. I took a day off, used my own money to fly up there. So you were testifying on your own behalf. On my own behalf. you weren't representing the county of Hawaii at the time. That is correct. Although I could have represented under our charter, I, I'm free to t- testify on those kinds of things. And you know, my, my concern was that they needed to do some investigation because what I was finding um, was 
very alarming. I felt there was corruption going on, and so I made this uh, this complaint there. He then filed a complaint against me. He uh, with being? Our, um, the, the head of the Dobor agency filed a complaint against me with our, our county ethics department. They found that there was no, uh, I didn't do anything wrong, but then they turned around and said that we should be looking at the state ethics to to uh, go after the Dobor chair um, or Dobor head. And it's the Dobor head on Hawaii For retaliation, Island right. At- no, it's actually statewide. Oh, okay. So then the attorney generals got involved and they started doing an investigation. And? Um, well, I'm told, Well, and I actually felt filed a, uh, I also filed a complaint with them when they they came to talk to me about retaliation from Dobor on me for filing the ethics complaint and some of the things that they did. So I'm told that there's a report. I'm told that, uh, well, I, in emails between Susan, Suzanne Case and myself, I asked for a copy of the complaint. I think she confirmed that uh, they did find retaliation. However, I have not received a copy of the complaint yet, so... You know, I find it completely fascinating because your experience with this is apparently like the experience of a whole lot of people in attempting to work with DOBOR, the Department of Boating and Ocean Recreation. It would seem to have been, as a layperson, it would have seemed to have been sort of inappropriate for the head of DOBOR to file a complaint against you, the county prosecutor who took his own time to go over and testify on behalf of this fisherman based on the information you had seen. So... Yeah, I think our, our, our county ethics board found the same. In fact, it was kind of funny. During the ethics hearing, they asked uh, some questions of the head. And one of the questions was whether uh, he was filing this complaint as an individual or as an official in his official capacity. And he said he was doing it as an individual, and then they asked him about the email, uh, the the uh, the address that he put down, which was his Dobor office. He asked about the email, which was an official state email address. They asked about uh, something else, and you know it was kind of funny that you know it was so obvious that he was just trying to get back. And quite frankly, that's what people tell me, and I know people have talked to you about similar uh, things where people have been retaliated against. So. And this individual is Ed Underwood, who is the head of Yeah, I wasn't going to give names, but yeah, that is correct. People out there will be wondering if we talk, and they might suspect it's somebody other than Mr. Underwood, but quite fascinating. And what has Suzanne Case's communication been regarding this? Because I would think at the very minimum she would express concern and (laughs) at the very minimum. Um. She's basically asked if uh, I was filing this complaint in official or on private, and I've told her that uh, I'm making an official request, and that's been over a month ago. I still haven't gotten anything from her. Wow. It, it's it's kind of fascinating. And I just wanted to briefly interrupt to let everybody know that I did ask Department of Land and Natural Resources spokesperson Dan Dennison for comment on the things that County Prosecutor Mitch Roth and I discussed. Mr. Dennison sent me an email on Friday, May 3rd, saying, Hi, Sherry, DLNR is not able to comment at this time. Let's get back to our discussion with Hawaii County Prosecutor Mitch Roth. You know, Mitch <laughs> Roth, you are county prosecuting attorney, and this situation is people have complained for a long time about 
what they say is heavy-handed activities by particularly the Department of Boating and Ocean Recreation and not really taking into consideration the needs of the Big Island. And I'd say you're one of the first officials, county officials I've ever seen who's actually gotten involved. Well, I thought it was kind of important because if we don't stand up to corruption, uh, what does that say for us? And, uh, you know, I felt bad that our office wasn't able to, to charge the case on time. The statute of limitations ran by, by the time I found everything else out. And, uh, you know, I, what does that say about my office? What does that say about me if I don't say stand up and say something? I think too often, you know, people are afraid to step out and stand up. But, you know, if I, I ask witnesses to do that all the time and testify, and if I don't do the same... What kind of example am I leading? What can I say? I absolutely admire your principles very much. And, you you know, I take a look at this is not our issue, but the prosecutor's office on Oahu has had their issues. The head of it got a letter indicating he was a target of a federal investigation and refused to step down. If you got such a letter, Mitch Roth, saying that you were the target of a federal investigation, what would you do? Knowing what I know, I would absolutely step down. In in that circumstance, I I think there's just the role of the prosecutor. You stand for a lot of things, and uh, it it would not be an easy thing to do. But I think you have to, at the end of the day, decide to do what's right. I'm glad that Keith finally did step down, though. I would imagine, since it sort of casts a shadow over all of you prosecutors. Particularly, you mentioned in the budget hearings that we, Hawaii County, have relied on the prosecuting attorney's office on Oahu to present our case in the case of Maui and Kauai at the state legislature, and that just was not happening this year. Yeah, this year it was was really difficult. At the same time that uh, the Honolulu prosecutor was going through his troubles, the Maui prosecutor was also not retained by the council. I don't know if you know about that. So it was pretty much the same week that Keith stepped down, uh, J.D. Kim, who was the prosecutor for many years, uh, the council didn't re-up him. And that was a very, uh, very interesting hearing. I I watched some of it on on the computer. And I I know J.D., I know he's done a lot of good things for the the state as far as prosecutors. And so it was kind of hard to watch as his credibility was uh, impugned at a council hearing and they eventually voted him out. That kind of thing is always difficult. Mm -hmm. Mitch Roth, I realize that we are now well before the primary election that will occur in August 2020, but prosecuting attorney is an elective office. So what's your thinking regarding 2020? I'll tell you this, I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm happy to hear your thinking. What are you thinking about? Would you like to share? Um, well, you know, a lot of people have been approaching me about running for mayor. And for the longest time, I was basically been of the feeling that, you know, the prosecutor is really what I want to do. I believe that with everything, you should have a, a personal mission statement for, for your life. My personal mission statement is to improve the quality of life for my community and for my family. And th- that's something that's kind of led me where I am today. As I've started to see what's going on and thinking about the future, I I have been considering running for other office as well. 
So this is really interesting because obviously running for mayor of Hawaii County would be a big deal. But the recent budget hearings were very revealing, and it showed that regarding fiscal management, our county is lacking. That would be something people would be looking for. What are your comments on that? I mean, you I'm sure you saw some of the same budget hearings, the fact that our county mass transit for the last few years has not filed the proper federal forms and we're in danger of losing our federal funding and that may involve losing it for other counties and for the state as well that was just one thing that came out after probing questions by the county council the county administrators did not volunteer that and i'd like to mention the new bus administrator has only been here for a few months so that's not her responsibility for the last three years but that kind of thing came up over and over that there was not coordination on computer systems, on budgeting. What's your initial thinking about all that, Mitch Roth? Well, you know, something really interesting happened this year. For the first time that I had a council person, I've been through six, well, now now I've been through seven budget cycles where I've gone in front of the county council to talk about budget. This was the first year that I've had any council member asked to talk about our budget before the budget hearing. And so I got a call initially from Ashley uh, Kirkowitz. And she's the council member for Puna. Mm-hmm. Tim Richards also uh, contacted me and asked. And, and he's North Kohala. And he's North Kohala. And then I, a couple of other council members came and met with me as well. So we had a chance to talk to, to several of the council members this year. And uh, it was very revealing after the first meeting with, uh, with Ashley that there's a lot of assumptions that go on. Assumptions made by the council members, assumptions made by the division heads. So one of the things I thought was really important for them to know was what's going on with overtime, because this year we have some really big overtime issues. And really the council had no knowledge about overtime. They had no knowledge about our supplemental requests that we make every year. They had very little knowledge about our goals and objectives, which we make every year. We spend a lot of times. Uh, working on really not a lot about what happens in the office. And so if you're making decisions, having that information is so important. The other things that came out were just, I mean, really, it was really fascinating for me. You have to know, you have to have the information to make good decisions, but that requires a lot of really open, honest, transparent communication that's just not transparent between what's going on between division heads, but also between the council members. And a lot of people don't realize we have some very strong rules, sunshine laws that prohibit our council members from getting together and working out problems. I think that's one of the biggest problems. I think it's really important that you have someone who's coordinating all this. I mean, whether it's the mayor who's meeting with council members, meeting with division heads, or I think all the, the, the council, county council people need to be meeting with them and really having these open, honest communications. We, we learned about so many different things. And a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations, and I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Today we're talking with Hawaii County Prosecutor Mitch Roth in part two of a two-part interview. And it's pretty interesting that he's revealing that he's considering running for mayor. And we're going to get back to the conversation where he talks about some real specific things he thinks can be done to help the budget. Next week, we are going to go away from law enforcement and go directly to scientific discoveries with 
a talk with Doug Simons of Canada-France-Hawaii Telescope, Jessica Dempsey of the East Asian Observatory, and Kaiyu Kimura of Imiloa Astronomy about the discovery of Povehi, that's the black hole, and the role that Hawaiian naming is now taking in scientific discoveries that have a significant connection to Hawaii. And that's next week. And on May 19th, I expect to air a conversation with Hawaii County Vice Officers about the status of drugs on this island. Before we get back to our conversation with Hawaii County Prosecutor Mitch Roth, let's hear a word from our favorite sponsor, KTA Superstores. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. And now back to Hawaii County Prosecuting Attorney Mitch Roth, who says he's considering running for mayor next year in 2020 and talking about some of the things Hawaii County can do to have better budget management. One of the easy things is uh, our procurement laws. We're buying computers and we have the procurement contract that, you know, everybody has to buy using these procurement contracts, but we may not be negotiating for the best contracts that we can. Give you an example. Our computers, we're, we bought 23. I may be able to get those computers at a price that's lesser on Amazon. So that, why aren't we doing that? You know, a lot of those questions of why we're not doing it, because that's the way we've always done things in the past. And, you know, I think when I became the prosecutor, we asked a lot of those questions. Why aren't we doing these things? And a lot of times the answer was, well, we've always done it this way, which always leads me to the Dr. Phil question. How's that working for you? <laughs> and if it's not working for you, let's figure out how we change to do it right. And I think one of the easy low-hanging fruits there is communication. Another one is negotiating better contracts, contracts that say, hey, if you're going to be buying this many uh, widgets and I can find the widgets cheaper for, let's say, 10% cheaper I'm out of the contract. I don't have to go with the with your contract. The other thing is we need to start talking not just amongst ourselves, but across the state. Because if we use economies of scale and we say, look, if we're buying 100 computers, we'll get this price. But if we're going to buy thousands of computers because we're working with Honolulu, Maui, and Kauai, we should get even a better price. I mean, and whether it's computers, whether it's guardrails, whether it's, you know, what what have you. I, I think those are things we need to start looking at and just saying, you know, it's not just because this is the way we do it. We need to intentionally think about ways we can save our community money. Well, on that line, last year, the Hawaii Island Chamber of Commerce wrote a very impassioned op-ed and actually met separately with the mayor, suggesting that this is a good time to step back and look at the budget from a bottoms-up standpoint. What are we doing that we should continue doing? What do we do now that doesn't need to be done? What can we change? And now with the mayor's proposal to add 
not just the 42 police officers, which I believe everybody will be behind, but to add 30 additional personnel beyond that, in addition to what's already been added, there's serious concern about whether this county can afford the budget we're about to go into. What would your take be on relooking the entire budget if you decide you want to run for mayor? I, I think that's a very good idea. I think we need to look at ways other places have done things to have really made big differences. Um, but then again, we have to, to take some common sense approaches. You know, I, I think I tell this to people all the time when they start complaining about government. I, I, I tell them, I see your problem. You're confusing common sense with government. We, we need to put <laughs> some common sense back into government and start asking those questions. Yeah, this is the way we do it. Why do we do it this way? And can we do it better? And generally, a group is going to make a better decision than one person who only sees part of the picture. If we have the whole picture and we're communicating that whole picture and not hiding stuff from each other, we're all going to do well. I think, you know, politics, we often have this crabs and crab in the bucket syndrome. We're all trying to pull each other down. We have to think of the the rising tide rises all ships, raises all ships. And so we need to work together because if the council does well, the mayor does well, then we're all going to do well. But if they fail and I fail, then we're all going to fail. So how do we how do we work together? And that goes for the community. You know, how do we make the community our partner rather than a group of people that we do things for? I think it's got to be a do things with well, that's what the police definitely say. You know, when we talk about crime as an issue, it's not only the police that can address that. And, you know, you're the top law enforcement officer for the county, and I know you have done a number of things to try to prevent people from even getting into the justice system. I mean, that has, in my mind, been a lot of what your focus has been since you became prosecuting attorney. So even though you are considering running for mayor, let me just ask, when do you think you'll make your decision? <laughs> well, there's a lot of things that I have to take into consideration. So it's a hard answer to, to give you. I, I, I'm not sure if and when I, I decide to do that. I still love being the prosecutor. I still love doing what I'm doing. And uh, if there's somebody that steps up and says, hey, that I believe that can, can really take us there, I'd be happy to stay as the prosecutor too. Which takes me back to my very lengthy sentence that I sort of interrupted to say, when are you going to decide? You seem to want to not have folks even get into the system. Mm -hmm. And whether you run again for prosecuting attorney or decide to run for mayor, it would seem that those initiatives are still very important to you, certainly, and certainly Absolutely. to the county. You mentioned that you've been able to prevent, the, well, that juvenile crime has gone down, and, yeah. and, and we're getting fewer cases, actually. Yeah, so we're getting fewer cases, and, and you know, people may not believe that we're getting fewer cases because we're seeing a lot of really bad cases that are coming through our system, a lot of you know violent crime that we're not used to having here on Hawaii Island. Stabbings uh, and shootings, yeah. Stabbings and shootings, a, a lot of which are people coming back from prison, too. So we send people to the mainland, and sometimes we send people there, they're going to come back worse unless we put things in, in the way. And I think... As a system, we need to figure out a better way of not only thinking about people who are going in, but thinking about people coming out and how we ensure that they're not getting involved in crime in the future. And that, that's a tougher thing for people to think about. And for a prosecutor, we often think well, our job is just the front end. But 
if you think about this, we don't get crimes or we don't have crimes occur unless there's a breakdown in other places in the system, whether that be in the home, the school, other places. We're still going to have to deal with it. And I think the changing theory of a prosecutor is you have to think about both sides in coming out. And uh, we're doing some really excited things in that respect that uh, we're the only prosecutors in the country doing. So we're pretty excited about that, too. Given that we only have a little time left, mention a few of the things that you have been doing to try to keep people out of the system. Well, one of our big pushes this last couple of years has been in the area of restorative justice. That's restoring the victim, the offender, and the community to where they were before. Now, you'll never be able to restore the victims completely to where they were, the community to where it was, and, you know, the defendant. However, there's a lot of things we can do. One of the things that I'm really excited uh, that we're doing is something called victim impact classes at HCCC. Um, We got into this kind of by accident. I say that because we started a restorative justice program. We had a new employee that had to do some work to get her master's. We saw this uh, victim impact that was being done by Department of Public Safeties across the country. And we said, you know, we want to do this. And what it is is we bring victims into the jail and uh, they talk about their experience. The offenders talk to them and hopefully it, it gives the offenders that understanding about the harm that they, they've done. And um, for the victims, it allows them to, to get to some some bit of, of closure. And it's been pretty amazing to see how a lot of these offenders tough guys start crying when they hear some of these victims. Then the the final class, which I really love doing, is I get to go in and talk to them about the other victims, the victims they don't think about, which are a lot of times their kids, um, their family members, all of which, you know, if you have a kid who's waiting for their parent who's in jail, they're being victimized. To to teach the offender that 50% of those kids are going to go through the criminal justice system unless they start making some changes, they start stepping up. You know, one of the interesting things with that, Sherry, is I I love talking to these guys when I'm in there, not about their crimes, but about their kids. And you'll hear stories like the father who's got an eight-year-old kid. The kid knows I love him. You know, okay, well, how, how often do you talk to him? I don't really talk to him. Do you write him? Well, I, you know, not really anything to write him about. So, so wait a second. Your eight-year-old son hasn't heard from you in two months, and you think that that kid's just thinking that that you love him? Oh yeah, they know I love him. So you don't think that kid's thinking about that they did something wrong and they're they're being torn down by by you doing that? And then you explain those those stats. It's really kind of amazing to see sometimes you get those aha moments that, you know, a lot of times offenders will talk about their family being the most important people in their lives, and yet they're doing nothing to, 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 to do that. It's a chance for a, it's a teachable moment, and we're seeing some great things come out of that. You have been doing that program for at least a year now, more couple than a year, a couple years. Successes? Um. You know, nationally, we know the numbers, it reduces recidivism by about 34 to 36%. There you go. That's good. That's a national number. I don't know what our numbers are, but I'm willing to bet that our numbers are going to be better than a 34 to 36% recidivism over a a three-year period. 
than it is on the mainland. And I, and I say that because as a prosecutor's office, and we're the only prosecutor's office in the country doing it, we have better access to victims. So we're able to have victims come to just about every every class. And the other thing that, that's a little bit different is, you know, the, the emphasis that we put on there. Um, I've got a lot of great volunteers that, that come and uh, and talk to these guys, and the stories that come out of the, out of their mouths are, you know, priceless. When are the results going to come out? When are the stats going to come out? You know, we've asked the attorney general to do some studies, but generally you're looking at recidivism over a period of three years' time. Okay. So we'll start to Good. we're going to start to see the first set of reports maybe in the next couple of years. I can tell you that I've. Uh, yeah, I've been at different places in the community where I've had these guys come up and say, hey, I'm doing really well. I, mean, I got together with my kids. And it's it's kind of a, it's like, oh, what's going on? Startling and nice at the start, same time. Startling and nice. And uh, it, it's, it, you know, when you see people that come up to you and tell you that they've been drug free for, for periods of time and they start thanking you for putting them in jail, um, that's a really good feeling. County Prosecutor Mitch Roth, what would you like to say in closing? You know, I, I uh, first of all, I want to thank you, Sherry, for, for talking. And uh, I, I want to thank the listening audience for you know, just being part of there and, and figuring out ways that they can help. Because, like I said, we're all in this together. And if we want a safer and healthier community, it's, you know, all of our duties, not just, you know, the police or the prosecutors. Um, there's a guy named Sir Robert Peel. He's the father of modern-day policing. Um, he's the guy that named the, the police officers after in, in London, the Bobbies, the Peelers, Sir Robert Peel. He said, the police are the public, the public are the police, with the police being the only members of society that are paid to do what's incumbent upon all of us. We're all in this together. If we want a safe community. Um, we all need to be working together. We are all a part of it, and we're all a part of each other. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, County Prosecutor Mitch Roth. Aloha. Aloha. And thank you so much to our listeners for being here for Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. I'm Sherry Bracken. You may listen to this in previous Island Conversations or download the podcast for any time listening at kwxx.com. Until next week, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahoi ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.